Welcome to Business Talk Sister Talk. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today we get the opportunity to speak to someone super awesome. And the title of our episode is How to Build a Business That You Believe In. Um, we have Keith Turner with us from The Promise Is You. And he is going to tell us all about um, what he does and all of that. Um, just for context, everybody, uh, I've been following Keith a little bit in his in his journey through this semi-recently, not as far back as, as he started off, but we're going to hear a lot about that today. So thanks so much for being here with us. Well, thank you, Becca. Thank you, Ruthie, for having me today. I am really excited to have the opportunity to have a conversation with you this afternoon. Yeah, we're excited to have you. <laughs> yeah. So our first question for you is, what do you do? Uh, what do I do? So uh, my business partner and I, Carl Crawford, uh, started a consulting business. And our first, our main focus was more towards uh, athletics and athletic teams. And uh, if the folks out there know what uh, the VALA Act is, uh, Violence Against Women's Act, uh, we were talking to mostly student athletes, male and female, about dating violence and appropriate behavior. Uh, on campus and off campus and just knowing uh, when no means no. Uh, so that's uh, kind of where we started. And then that has spun off into some things that uh, we are really passionate about as uh, diversity and inclusion and uh, equal justice. Yeah. And how did you, how did you get started with that? Like what was your passion driving that? So most of it is because uh, I have two daughters and uh, Carl has one daughter and it was uh, knowing that our daughters are out, uh, you know, in that, in that age of dating and uh, getting to, to know uh, partners and, and just really wanted to try to try to educate young people. And uh, both of us, uh, have coached collegiately and high school wise and uh, my passion of coaching for over 30 coaching college football for over 30 years uh, really drove me to uh, really keep educating uh, young people on uh, this topic so wow so you mentioned you guys have kind of started there um, how do you do what you do can you tell us about that yeah, so what we do is uh, a lot of times uh, uh, folks will reach out to us or we'll re we've been reaching out to different uh, colleges and high schools and different organizations. And uh, what we do is we, we try to come in and not do that uh, one-time feel where what we call you get a hat and a T-shirt and you check a box. We try to do a progressive uh, where we go in and we, we really – try to get a connection and uh, get students to understand that we're there not for a one-time service. We're there, uh, you know, to uh, continuously help them uh, edu educate them on these different topics. And uh, so we try to make sure we go in, we give a, a presentation. Most of the time, our presentations are two and a half to three hours. And then we do a follow-up within the next 
six to eight weeks with uh, those same athletic teams or the different organizations we're working with. And then we do another deep dive of how is that going to change your organization, change your dynamics of your, your sports team, and then what are you putting together as far as your strategic plan and uh, looking at your mission uh, moving forward. Wow. That all sounds really intimidating. Uh, so, like, obviously, this is a huge issue, and it, I can really hear your your heart and and not just wanting that for the world, but specifically for your family too, and uh, and kind of implementing that and, and teaching people about that. So, when you look at a at a at a big problem like um, like violence in, in a broad term, um, how do you know where to start? Like, what was your first like? Okay, this is what our our first step is going to be to to fight this. So uh, one of the main things was uh, going back off, off of our past history. So uh, I have some uh, experience with, like I said before, coaching uh, college football and I'm, and Carl coaching uh, high school basketball and college basketball. We went back off of our experience working with uh, different situations that have come up. Uh, so uh, along with that, going, okay, what could we have done or have uh, talked about to try to prevent this uh, from happening uh, to mm -hmm. some of these student athletes? And what are the uh, precautions we could have coaches, uh, counselors, and even uh, faculty members uh, take to help these young men and young women through it? So that was, that was kind of our starting point of understanding exactly where we were at as far as, uh, uh, you know, our past experiences and then moving from there. Yeah. Yeah. So it then, sounds, go ahead, Ruthie. Who was your first audience? Like you were like, okay, we're going to move forward with this. And then who did you kind of approach first? So our first audience were, uh, uh, some, some coaches that I knew, uh, if you if you've been in athletics, the coaching field is a really tight network. So uh, I just reached out to some of my former colleagues and said, "Hey, these are the things that we want to talk to not only your staff about, but then move into your teams." And uh, a lot of it was uh, because I worked in uh, rural Minnesota in the two-year system. Uh, talked to the coaches about, okay, who are you recruiting? What does that look like for them, especially if they're students of color or if they're coming from a metropolitan area? Uh, what does that look like uh, coming into a community that may only have 5,000, uh, a 5,000 population uh, for them? And then how do you want them to get acclimated to not only college, but living on their own in, in, a, in a, a rural community? So. Those were some of the, the main things that I don't want to say sold or uh, what we, we told them that we would help them with. Yeah. And I know from previous conversations that we've had and, and Ruthie, this is the first time Ruthie's meeting you. So she's not, uh, she's <laughs> nice not, <to> meet you. <laughs> <laughs> like there's lots of stuff going on in this and, and Keith has so many cool things that he's doing. I just, Oh, it's so exciting. And one of the things that I think that really stuck out to me in what you have mentioned is, is you're seeing like this concept of come to school to get a degree, not 
a felony. And, and I never even thought of that before. I was like, that's a thing. And mm-hmm. can you just speak to that and, and what that looks like and how you guys are really trying to address that issue? Because I think that that's a huge, huge problem that I, a lot of people aren't even aware of. Yeah. So that was, so, uh, Carl, so I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, and Carl's originally from uh, South Central Los Angeles. And, and we talked about, okay, what does that look like when we came out of our communities uh, and came to college? Uh, and we wanted to educate young men and women on that because they're, when they get into some of these communities, not knowing uh, some of the, the past history and the backgrounds, you could get caught up in uh, some different things that would uh, give you a felony and hence come, came out of the, the title of our company, The Promise Is You. Uh, we always said the promise was us because we went to college and our our, our uh, family were looking for us to be successful. That's why they were helping us move forward because we, we understand too that when a young person comes to college, it's not just them. It's their, it's their parents, their grandparents, and sometimes their siblings who are really uh, helping support them and uh, pushing them forward to make sure that they, they graduate and, and they gain the skills that they want to, to get into their profession. So making sure that we talk to young people and let them know, you know, that, that one mistake of, of using drugs or maybe even selling drugs or one night of drinking and uh, understanding that no means no and uh, both of you are intoxicated can change your, your whole career path and essentially change your whole life in, in just a few hours. Wow. Yeah, so you're you're seeing this problem on on a small scale and a big scale on an individual basis, and I, um, wow, yeah, and I just keep thinking like, how did you, <laughs> it just like the, just hearing your heart in that and like in all of um, where you're at now? How did you network? How did you do the research? How did you decide like, okay, consulting is is where we're gonna go with this? So yeah, kind of touch on those things. Like, what did your networking look like? Who did you reach out to first in your researching process? So uh, when we started, them, uh, we we went to a lot of different, uh, I guess you would say, trainings that uh, folks were putting on, and uh, we. We saw what we liked. We took what we liked and we, what we didn't like, and we weren't stealing their content, but we were looking at how presenters present it. And uh, if it was just what we talk about is talking heads, and we're just talking, we're going to talk to you for two and a half hours, and then you're going to leave and go, you're you're trained and ready to go. It was like, no, we we want people to be interactive. We want them to share their stories with you with each other because most of the folks that are in our training are folks that have worked together for several years and they have no idea of what each other backgrounds are. Uh, For example, we just did a training uh, for NERC and uh, we went through, we had 50 participants in there and after we were done, uh, all hands went up because we had our final question was, did you learn anything today about your coworkers? And every hand went up in the audience and it was just like, 
here it is. Some of these people have been working together for 10, 15 years, and they're just finding out, uh, you know, different things about their coworkers. Yeah. Um, so, okay. It sounds like this is, I'm just going to break down your process because Ruthie is somebody that's all about, oh, logistics, logistics. How do people start a movement themselves towards what they believe in and they see a problem with? So I'm just going to break down the steps. It sounds like you took so far. You saw a problem. You started asking about how can we make sure this doesn't happen? You started networking, researching, and then you came up with some content or discussion topics and presentation material to address that problem. And then this kind of launched you and your presentations into a full blown business, right? Yeah. So So, go ahead. I was just going to say too, just to uh, uh, expand on that. So I don't know if you've ever heard of the Cleary Act. So the Cleary Act is the Cleary Act is uh, something that was evolved from uh, a young lady uh, that was murdered on the East Coast uh, at a university, and her parents had no idea that there was such a high crime rate on this campus. So they really lobbied uh, for colleges have to have to report uh, what criminal activity uh, and different things that are happening, because uh, this was back in uh, the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, so this was a training that I went to in the early 2000s, and I was just like blown away of how much uh, sexual assault and criminal activities happen on college campuses. So this was, that was probably one of the main things that sparked Carl and I. And then we came back and we talked about it, and then we went to the different trainings. So I see where your question is at. So our process was finding out unbelievable how and i had been in higher ed at that time for over 20 years and i was just like holy smokes you know you don't Mm. see it but it is happening so you're convicted by data a man after (laughs) my own heart (laughs) (laughs) that is really into data (laughs) yeah oh i know that and then having that conversation with our our faculty staff, they were not truly aware of it either. And then that that sparked some some interesting conversations. And then if you if you saw where uh, a lot of these universities were were getting fined throughout the country uh, for false reporting, uh, is another thing that really spearheaded or sparked us. Uh, to, to really uh, drive some of this information home, you know, and want to uh, keep our keep our focus at the collegiate level. Yeah. So you said that you were in that that um, that training with Carl specifically. Was he a good? I guess. So sometimes it's it's really easy to get really overwhelmed with all the different things on trying to do it yourself. Um, so how speak to that of how beneficial it was to have someone kind of a the partner in crime or <laughs> partner in fighting crime, I guess, um, <laughs> to all uh, just walk through that process with you and encourage you in that. Like what what was that like? So that was it was interesting because the training was a five day training and it was eight hours a day. And it is, it is very, very 
uh, overwhelming. That is so it's just, intense. It is. And, it, and <laughs> what, it is, what you're doing is uh, if you have a, a partner in fighting crime, you, you're going, okay, you, you uh, focus on this part, I'll focus on this part, and then we'll, we'll get back together at the end because there's no way you can truly uh, educate yourself in eight hours sometimes because you, you just lose focus on things. And so that was, that was probably the most beneficial thing is making sure that we, we, we were able to capture everything that uh, we were getting within those five days. So another question I have for you is along with that, if you're saying, yeah, working with a partner, you divide and conquer, that's totally going to be effective. What are some key things that you would recommend to someone who's interested in starting this type of business? One of the, the, I'd say the number one thing is understanding uh, the content and then understanding your audience because we are really uh, aware and, and we, we addressed this in the beginning because you don't know uh, your audience until you get there and you, you don't know what their past is. And, and we, we talk about some tough topics and we let them know right away if you have had trauma or if you've had some things that have uh, affected you in the past, please feel comfortable getting up and leaving and, uh, and we, will, we will help you walk through that at that point in time. But we want to make sure that people feel comfortable about the tough conversations we're getting ready to have and, and then that we are uh, sensitive to, to the different uh, traumas or, or uh, things that have happened to people in the past. So, so that's what that, so the number one thing would be knowing your content and then giving factual information, not just running off the cuff and then knowing your audience. Okay. Go ahead, Ruthie. <laughs> so what uh, resources would you recommend to someone who's interested in this topic specifically? <laughs> Try to stay off the internet. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I say that, but... You know what I mean? Because a lot of times there's some, just some things out there. But uh, actually, if, you, if you're looking at this kind of content is going to, if you have access to a local college or uh, university, getting on their campus and talking to, uh, as far as the Cleary stuff, talking to their campus security, talking to their uh, safety officer, and then uh, moving forward forward into the educational part, talking to the different deans of students and deans of education. Okay, yeah. so I feel like today we have totally gotten a little bit of a history lesson in the same, mm -hmm. in, in all of it, because um, through this, when you're like, yeah, this happened in this time frame, and, and there wasn't this, and I'm like, oh, that's why they have those stickers on the bathroom doors of all the bathrooms in the women's room or whatever, <laughs> like, Oh yeah, like they're really focused on reporting things and all this stuff. But I can see how that over time, if that's where it started and nobody knew, and then it just becomes yeah. like something that needs to be a serious issue that's addressed and boom, you have so much change. And that was actually a question that we didn't even get to <laughs> was about how much change have you seen in your lifetime? But I, okay, so in speaking about history um, with this and, and we're going to transition into our gawk portion, I'm... <laughs> 
I'm we're, bummed. There's so much here. It just we're we're running short on time, but uh, I know. I just, and and you guys, you guys need to definitely follow Keith because uh, the promise is you. They have an Instagram. Just heard about it, so we're excited. Their handle uh, is the promise is you. And then if you look at like the the owner of it, it's Keith and Carl. So if you guys want to follow him, he's super awesome. Yeah. And so uh, as we were talking about just like history or of our lives or whatever, because you know how we always have an embarrassing story about something, you know, we're like, Keith, tell us a little bit about your life. Do you want to talk about something ridiculous? And we went through a whole bunch of different things. And I was like, so what was it like to have your first your first child? Because I know Keith has a couple kids or whatever. And he, okay. <laughs> I laughed so hard. I, I'm just going to quote you because I don't think this is going to be recreated, but he literally said, yeah, we had our first child and then got rid of our beagle. <laughs> <laughs> so we treated our beagle like a dog and then or we treat our beagle like a baby. And then when we got a baby, we kicked out the beagle. <laughs> we really okay. didn't kick him out. We let him, we go, we, he probably had a better home with my father-in-law because he fed him table food all the time. <laughs> he went yeah. from a normal size to probably 20 pounds overweight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just okay, a little, so- we, call, we had a dog named Jasmine that we called, uh, I always called her a little propane tank with legs. <laughs> yeah. And okay, so what, tell us. Tell us about, you were telling us about the most frustrating experience you had with that dog. And we just need to like hear about it. (laughs) I'll tell you. So the dog's name, I I named him after uh, Michael Jordan, the basketball player. So his name was Mike. And Mike would, I would always take him for a walk. But this uh, one day in the winter, he got off his leash. And I don't know if you've, ever been in the Jubilee parking lot uh, in Chisholm. I lived above uh, uh, an apartment building uh, back there and he got off his leash and uh, he's running, but he would let me get within like two to three feet of him. And like, I was going to catch him and then he'd take off again. But anyway, at this point in time, the parking lot is full. People are laughing. There's snow everywhere. And I'm going, I got to catch this dog before he gets hit by a car. My wife is dying laughing, looking from the top of the steps. And, and it, it never failed. It, he'd let me get just enough, and then he'd run away. But this <laughs> went on for probably about 45 minutes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and then he finally, he finally had enough, and I didn't catch him. He just ran right up the steps to my wife and went in. <laughs> And I was just like, you have to be kidding me. <laughs> uh, I, I have a yeah. feeling that this happened before there was a lot of people standing there live streaming you to the internet. <laughs> yeah, there, there wasn't. Yeah, thank God there wasn't a bunch of cell phone cameras. So. <laughs> Document it forever. <laughs> yeah. Too bad, though. You could yeah. add that to your Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I would have wanted that because I it probably wasn't a pretty picture on my part. Fair enough. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, if you guys like this episode, you should totally follow us on Instagram or Facebook page. And if you have a question for us or for Keith, feel free to reach out to our email on our website, businesstalksistergock.com. See you next week.